Hi, my name is Natalie Orofici, and I'm delighted to welcome you to listen along to the Women in Scripture podcast. This podcast has been inspired by the God Who Speaks campaign. I will be inviting lots of different women to come and speak about the women in the Bible who inspire them and who speak to their hearts today. I'm absolutely delighted for this second episode of my podcast. And for this episode, I have a wonderful lady called Christine McAteer here to speak about the lady she, well, the woman she's chosen from the scriptures who inspires her. So Christine, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? If you introduce yourself to us, please. Yeah, sure. So thank you, Natalie, for, for having me on the podcast today. My name's Christine. I'm not a biblical scholar. Um, I'm simply an ordinary woman who's had lots of different jobs in the last um, 12 years or so, often in zero hours work or in temporary church work. In my spare time, I do a bit of study at Queen's Foundation and I also volunteer as a bus chaplain, which I absolutely love. How exciting. It's wonderful to know that the bus drivers have chaplains. What a wonderful job that is. So who have you chosen? Which woman in the scriptures have you chosen to speak to us about today? Well, my woman I've chosen today is Abigail because she's not very well known in the Bible. Would you like me to say a little bit about her, Natalie, and the, the story? Yes, please. We'd love to hear about her. Yes. So Abigail lived in the time when Saul was king and David was in hiding from him and she was married to a very rich man called Nabal, which in Hebrew means fool and it probably wasn't his real name. It's used like a caricature. But anyway, one day David sent 10 men from his his mini army of about 600 to Nabal's house because his men had protected Nabal's shepherds from hassle when they were in their territory and they asked for you know appropriate payment which they would have expected to have been a lot having sent 10 strong men to carry it all and most rich men confronted with a small army would have paid up at that time but Nabal was a bit bit of an idiot really he he refused and he is described in the bible as being a bit grumpy and mean-spirited whereas abigail his wife is described as clever and beautiful quite unusual for the bible to describe characters so this really stood out for me nabal belittles david and and says who is this man you know he makes him out to be a runaway slave and an outlaw so he sends the 10 men away when David hears about this he's really offended and he gets ready to go and attack the household with all his 600 men fortunately one of Abigail's servants overhears this plan and he warns Abigail about it so she immediately gets ready loads of food like 200 loaves of bread five sheep that have already been prepared for this shearing of the sheep festival and about 38 litres of grain 
and she loads them onto donkeys and rides out with these gifts to persuade David. And she gets off the donkey and sort of abases herself and pleads not to attack the household. Her wisdom and diplomacy saves the day and David relents. After about 10 days, Nabal dies possibly from alcohol poisoning. His name, as well as meaning fool, is, is also related to a Hebrew word for wineskins, which alludes to his possible fate. When David hears that Nabal has died, he sends his servants to Abigail's household asking for her hand in marriage. And the story ends with her riding off enthusiastically with, with five maids from her household to say yes. <laughs> Wow, you've relayed that story so, so well. And just to put it into context for our listeners, uh, Abigail and this story can be found in 1 Samuel 25. And I do advise you to go and read about the wonderfully intelligent and beautiful Abigail. I, I love the fact that she's described with both great aspects because sometimes we can have one seen as higher yeah. than the other, but she is both beautiful and intelligent. So what, what's attractive about Abigail to you? Um, well, I suppose, um, yeah, those qualities, beauty and intelligence, because often beautiful women these days are, are not seen as intelligent mm. or they're seen, like you say, Natalie, as like or contradictory or intelligent people are not seen as beautiful. So I think, well, why not have both, you know, because... God has made us complex human beings with, with many qualities. And I suppose what really drew me to Abigail is that she was wise and her timely intervention saved innocent lives of a large household. She was obviously clearly well respected by her servants and for someone to trust in her and confide in her. She was very efficient at managing her household in that she knew where everything could be gathered to offer as a gift to David and she was clearly decisive in an emergency and um, she was able to act very quickly she was really practical she probably had the servants loading the donkeys for her but I reckon that she had intimate knowledge of what she had available in her household or maybe as an efficient manager of her house, she demanded uh, detailed inventories from her servants um, and, you know, kept up to date records. I also think she was probably very practical as well and willing to work at shop floor level, as it were, when absolutely necessary. The other thing that I really admire about Abigail is her courage to face those battle-hardened young men full of testosterone in a place where women did not take the lead in public life. And even though she used appropriate words of humility to persuade David, she probably also knew her own worth and had that self-confidence to pull it off. You know, she may well have been politically well informed as well. Perhaps she knew things were not going so well for Saul at this time and that David was the up and coming contender for the monarchy. And perhaps she realised that all rich households needed to be on good terms with 
possible army intending for power in case they were treated harshly or killed, which just goes to show how stupid her husband really was. And I even admire the fact that she had the presence of mind not only to avert danger, but bear the ground for a mutually beneficial uh, relationship in the future. Because after she pleads for forgiveness for the household not offering fitting tribute for their protection or protection money, I suppose, she goes on to say in 1 Samuel 7, 25, for the Lord will make my Lord sure house because my Lord is fighting the battle of the Lord, which is quite formally worded. I'll, I'll just unpack that a bit. She, she was pointing out to David that, first of all, her household was loyal to his cause and would support his contest for the throne. She points out that God was on his side. And then she also carefully draws his attention to the fact that if he massacred an entire household without just cause or for self-defense, it could be a potential barrier to his claim to the throne. And then finally, she, she asked David to remember the generosity of her household when God has stalled him on the throne. Because she says, when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, remember then your servant. I just admire her cheek, really. I think it's brilliant. You know, that, that cool-headed diplomacy, um, her boldness and daring in the face of danger. And then finally, I, I believe she felt with her gut, which is the Hebrew seat of emotion rather than the heart, um, as well as having a brain. Because when he does propose to her, she's, she's sort of, again, suitably formal. But then she rides away quickly with it. You see, I like, well, hey, but she, she had a better offer than the first guy. She sounded a bit... Uh, <laughs> A bit of an idiot, really. And even though the story ends by mentioning two other women that David also married, um, one was Michael, he, who he was already married to, and another was a lady called Ahanoin of Je Jezreel. I don't imagine Abigail pining too much about this. I reckon she had enough um, independence and pragmatism to just make the most of generally difficult circumstances um, that women faced at that time and and you know she's probably someone a lot of women today to, can relate to you know like single mothers um, or women who are on their own or women who are carers who have to just get on with life whether or not they receive much in the way of romantic attention. Yeah. I think definitely in her first marriage, it doesn't sound like there was much romantic attention there. She, <laughs> and she was so brave to go against her husband's wishes. I mean, her yeah. husband had made it very clear that he wasn't going to show any, um, was not going to admire them or give them a just payment. And she went yeah. completely, and I imagine in the culture at that time, to go against your husband's wishes took a lot of bravery but she was so intelligent and reconciled the situation. Like you said, she saved a lot of bloodshed and probably many, many lives through, through her bravery, her courage and 
Yes, definitely someone we can relate to. Maybe we will not be uh, stopping lots of wars, who knows, but using her intelligence and yeah. gathering things together quickly, not waiting around for somebody else to resolve the issue. Yes, definitely, yeah. And, and her faith in God, knowing that God was in the situation can be yeah. seen, it's beautiful. Yeah. So. I know you've began to touch on why you think she's relevant today, but what other reasons could you give for why Abigail would be relevant for women today to admire? Well, I suppose because she had that far-sighted business sense, she shows us how the Bible still has a lot to teach us about economics. The Greek word for economics is, I'm not sure how you say it, I've only ever seen it written, it's economia which literally means household um, so it's more than just money it's about managing relationships and your home um, and obviously women were traditional household managers and managers of their family as well it perhaps shows us all that economics is more than just short-term consumerism which is highlighted by the contrast of her husband who made himself seriously ill from binging on this one night and then died. The fate of Abigail's household was related to the politics of that day and their excellent yield of um, wealth from all the sheep and goats wasn't enough to secure their future because anyone could have just robbed the lot of them. So I think Abigail perhaps shows us that people who run businesses today could well remember that there is a connection with politics and power, particularly when we consider the well-being of our planet as well. We're all connected by currency rather than by wheat and sheep today, but even currency binds us all in these uh, mutual relationships of transaction, which, which flow around, which we, we keep going as well. So Abigail is probably also a great role model for any woman considering running a business or who is in business already. I think her story could be read within the wider context of another of an, of other biblical passages in the Old and New Testament around economics based on a belief that God has gifted us with with abundance. This this idea of abundance um, I've come across through a theologian called Chad Myers who, who writes excellently on this and there's some YouTube video and watch about him as well. This is the idea that the world has enough resources to meet all our needs provided we take only what is enough. Abigail's story reminds me of Luke's gospel. You know, that story where there's a man who uses his wealth to buy bigger barns to store his grain. You know what I mean? What's all that about? It's just, <laughs> well, what's the point? And then he dies because somebody robs him. Um, and this would have really resonated with the peasants of Jesus's time because their land had been robbed from them through an unjust system of collecting debt and Roman imperialism. So I think Abigail shows that trusting in God's abundance is sound business ethics. And perhaps when rich chief 
um, executive directors make vast sums of money by polluting the environment and depriving workers of basic human rights, they might well want to consider that what they are doing is, as Pope Francis said in um, his encyclical Laudato Si, that it's a grave sin. Exploitation of the environment for mass-produced cheapo goods goes hand in hand with economic exploitation and destitution, especially in country climate change. So Abigail teaches us that economics is more than short-term consumption. And I suppose I've, I've touched on this by mentioning the short-term contracts. But I think as well as being that role model for um, like a top businesswoman, Abigail is a great model role model for people of faith regardless of whatever level they're working at, you know, in, including somebody like me with little part-time jobs. In, in the past, one of my jobs was um, working as a receptionist part-time in a busy um, city centre office block in the middle of Birmingham. And in that role as a Christian, I felt very keenly my responsibility to be the face of that building as a first point of contact for visitors. In the few seconds of signing people in and sending them up the correct floor, I had to really listen carefully to their mood and try and respond possibly so that I could offer the best possible welcome. Like Abigail, a role like that is, is being a messenger or being ambassadorial in the spirit of humility and service. And sometimes one of the pitfalls of being a messenger is you can be caught in the firing line between the one who sends the message and the receiver. You know that phrase, don't shoot the messenger. That comes to mind thinking of Abigail because she could have been raped or attacked or mauled or anything and just left for dead when she met David and all those men. So you do have to be quite brave in one's and, and I guess uh, messengers or receptionists, they, they offer that soft touch security by being that uh, minister of presence in a busy environment because they, they know what's going on and they 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 keep away all, all the nonsense that can go on. I've really noticed on the odd occasion when I've gone into work in the pandemic, because there are fewer people around, the behaviour's been a lot more edgy um, and aggressive because there just aren't the, um, the same number of staff around and the frontline staff are meeting with increasing levels of aggression and abuse, you know, particularly security guards in supermarkets and, and people on, in those kind of jobs. It, it can be quite dangerous. So I, I admire Abigail's courage in, in, that, in that situation. But, you know, on a more positive note, the, the great thing about roles like being front of house is that it's a, a really great way to network and build up relationships in a wider community. You can be a great conduit for putting people in touch with one another and you know exactly what's going on, you know, like Abigail she would have had her eyes and ears to the ground in order to respond quickly and rise to the occasion. I think she shows that people 
who offer that sense of vitality and welcome will be remembered for that and it could set them up in the future because you never know when the tables might be turned and you might then be dependent on your guest in another situation for their hospitality and graciousness because that is what happened with Abigail. The Bible itself has wider teachings around hospitality like in in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 2 there's a great verse which says do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers for by doing that some may have entertained angels without knowing it when I was made redundant from that receptionist role that I held, I was really amazed by the uh, messages of love and support that I received from people. And, and, and you know, some of them have become friends and colleagues that I work alongside today. I mean, I, I suppose the limit of Abigail's story is she was very pragmatic. As Christians, we're, we're called to go beyond that, to show hospitality to people who aren't going to be and powerful allies. Like the poor and vulnerable mentioned on the Day of Judgment in Matthew 25. But they are held to account by, by Jesus on you know, on that day of judgment. There's a psychotherapist, Carl Jung, who who had carved on his doorway, called or not called, God is present, which I take as a, as a call to um, be alert and stay present to opportunities that that mystery of encountering another human being can bring, you know, and just to go with that and see the presence of God in that situation. Anyway, I'll shut up, Natalie. I no, go no that was absolutely... <laughs> wonderful i just really really did appreciate your contribution christine it's such wisdom and understanding of who abigail was and what she can teach us today and the bravery that abigail had she lived with a a husband who was not great but she used the wealth from that marriage to bring about great goodness and it must have taken courage and a huge amount of humility to run to David like you say to such humility uh, because she doesn't she could have got there and he could have sent her back saying well no it was your husband who should have been paid so she made the best out of that awful situation with that not great marriage so um she brings hope to us all that sometimes if you take a risk and are humble and trust in the lord that you can bring out great reconciliation and goodness in the world and yeah yeah the the treatment of others and of course the the rest of the household the servants went with her so she didn't go off and abandoned the servants who were so reliant on her because she she had the wealth and could have gone but she took the servants with her and I think that's such a beautiful image as well that she cared for those who were reliant on her and took them through but thank you so very much and I hope everybody who, who listens to this enjoys it and goes up and picks up their bible and have a look at the book of samuel 1 samuel 25 and read and pray with it and see what abigail's story says to you today and how what can we all learn from abigail as women of faith and women who trust in god so thank you very very much for listening and thank you christine for for your contribution Thank you very much for listening to the Women in Scripture podcast with me, Natalie Orofici. 
If you would like to have some extra reading and resources, then go to the Archdiocese of Birmingham website and look at the Women in Scripture podcast page. To enjoy hearing more of the Women in Scripture podcast, then please do subscribe to the podcast on either Spotify, iTunes or SoundCloud. I hope you can join us next time. Thank you.